just one of the many ways to use our Politouche tarp. You can use it just as a single awning or you can connect two tents together or over a hammock. Yep. Very versatile. The temperatures were pretty cold, and we decided to bring a wood stove out with us. We had to work for it a little more, but in the end, I feel encouraged to get back out there. And that's like the number one thing with wood stoves. If you do not know how to build a campfire, you're not going to have a good time with a tent wood stove. Welcome to the Lux Backpacking, Hunting, and Winter Camping Chat. Sponsored by Lux Hiking Gear. Covering helpful tips and tricks from decades of time spent on the Olympic Peninsula in the mountains, rivers, and forests. Conversations for an audience ranging from the beginner all the way up to the experienced adventurer. So we just got back from a winter camping trip where we utilized two mini Peak XLs and then a backpacking tarp to create a base camp with an awning. And it was a really nice, sweet setup for winter camping, late season hunting, that type of thing. Um, I wanted to go over some of the key points, how we set it up, why we set it up, and things we learned. Yeah, it was good to do a winter camping trip with you. Like always, I appreciate it. Yeah, I had a blast. I learned a lot. Um, and it's definitely getting me more and more familiar with uh, how to get out there and, and do things and get it taken care of. Yeah, it's just one of the many ways to use our Politouche tarp. You can use it just as a single awning or you can connect two tents together or over a hammock. Exactly. Now, Very versatile. Yeah, I've seen you do it with a um, the Batwing and the Megahorns. But of course, the Batwing would be too large for this type of setup. Yeah, the Batwing is such a large tarp that it's important that you have a big, tall tent like our Megahorn or Megahorn XL mm -hmm. in order to connect them or use them as an awning. Yep. So we took two Mini Peak XLs with us, um, one for you, one for me. Um, and now how we did it, uh, I suppose we'll jump in first. Um, we found a nice, sweet location that, you know, you kind of got to eyeball, uh, make sure it's big enough. Um and we didn't waste any time diving right in once we found the location. Um, the first step would be to pitch that first mini peak uh, perfect. Yeah, we got it nice and tight. It was completely done. Yep. All four corners um, <laughs> staked out like a nice perfect pyramid. Um, and then the mini peak XLs along with uh, most of our tents come with a top loop um, to be hung. So what we did is we utilized that top loop and then the uh, ridge line, one of the ends of the ridge lines of the Politouche tarp and tied it through. And then what we did is we took the tarp, went all the way back to the other side, tied it to the second mini peak, and we kind of built it in reverse. Yeah, essentially like when you use a backpacking tarp, you just use two poles, like trekking poles, mm -hmm. to put it up. And so it's exact same thing. So when you pitch the second mini peak XL, you are just using the pole, but then you're taking the tent and putting it over the pole first without staking it down. Yep. And that allows you to make sure that uh, you don't got to do any measuring, basically. You pull it out um, and put that pole in it, and that's going to be exactly where you want that to land. Yep. When the ridge line's nice and tight, yep. then you can go on to the next step. Yep. Then uh, we go stake out the further to, so the, the back to, the further from the ridgeline uh, Politouche tarp, um, and that allows it to stand freely on its own and, and take that tension um, and hold it while you stake out the other two stakes. Yeah, then that's a total of four stakes in the Mini Peak XL, the second Mini Peak XL. Yep, exactly. Um, after that, we staked out the back of, well, we decided which would be the back, and we staked out the back of the uh, backpacking Politouche tarp, kind of like a lean-to. Um, and then we, uh, eventually we took two sticks. Okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. 
then we staked out the front of the Polatouche tarp. Um, just had a nice following the, the angles of the tarp itself um, and pitched them down. Uh, later on, we decided to create an awning with it. We went out and found um, two appropriately sized sticks. Um, they may have, I think we cut them down a little bit. Um, and then we just took those and stuck them right up underneath those two corners of the tarp and had a real nice, tall, big awning. Yeah, to back up and we'll reiterate is that we used the top loops of both Mini P XLs mm-hmm. and connected the main ridge line of the backpacking tarp. And then once the tents were completely pitched and the ridge line was completely tight, then we pitched out the remaining four corners on the Politouge backpacking tarp. Yes. And then once we did that, we went into the forest and measured out some poles so we can create an awning space. Yep, exactly. And then used our little handy dandy saw mm-hmm. and made our own little poles out in the woods. Yep. Yeah, so. Uh, we don't sell saws, but that was a good saw. I like that. Uh, came in pretty handy. Yeah, if you want to know which saw that is, just go watch our YouTube video <laughs> exactly. that we created of this exact thing, and it'll show it to you. We appreciate you checking it out. Yeah, so uh, it's a good plug real quick. Um, if you're a visual learner, we did a whole YouTube video of setting up this setup, and you can see it being utilized. Um, the temperatures were pretty cold, um, I would say, for me at least. Um, and we decided to bring a uh, wood stove out with us. We'll jump into that in a, in a little bit. Um, why we did it, I suppose. Um, yeah, this is beneficial. This whole camp setup is beneficial to somebody that wants to split the weight of their big base camp up within multiple backpacks or horses or goats or different bikes. Yep. Exactly. You can, if you're bike packing, you can split the weight up in, in three individuals or four individuals, mm-hmm. and then it's very manageable to have a huge base camp that's four season. Yes, exactly. And then you can actually put f- two wood stoves inside this base camp. Yep. So that's pretty sweet. Yeah, and then you know while we were looking at it, also uh, besides the humongous i feel humongous sleeping area in those mini peak xls um if the weather wasn't too terrible you have all sleeping space underneath that tarp midsection as well you could have a couple buddies sleep under there yeah definitely if you have somebody that just wants to crash out yep invite some guests over (laughs) exactly yeah or that you could put a chair under there. Mm-hmm. Let's see, what else could we do in there? Exactly. Yeah. You could even park a bike under there if you wanted to. Yep. Um, you, you could, could use it for yeah, gear storage if you didn't want it inside your mini piece. You could just store it all under there. Put your boots, backpacks under there. Mm-hmm. You could actually run a second line underneath that tarp. Yes. And then you could hang your wet clothes while you're hunting or winter backpacking or camping. Mm-hmm. And that'll dry your clothes out of the rain. Yeah. No, because we kept, you know, I, I kept the door open on the my side of the mini peak, which had the stove. Um, but I suppose if you close that back door, most of that heat is going to transfer and come the other direction, you know, towards the tarp um, and underneath that tarp. So if you had your clothes hanging there, they'd be nice and dry by morning time. Yeah, that's really important if you plan on being in the woods for week, two weeks, three weeks. Um, you want an efficient system. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Yeah, uh, and we pitched them um, with 
the 1.5 inners in them and I had never used one before, but that thing was really nice. That was a real sweet setup there. Yeah. Those inners are made out of breathable nylon. And so the heat can still come in, mm-hmm. but then when the stove goes out, um, that you are, you only have to heat up with your body heat, a small space. Yeah. And so you're much more efficient with your body heat and you sleep at least 15 degrees warmer inside. Yeah. And then what's another benefit of an inner tent with, when it comes to condensation? Oh, well, there definitely. You go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so besides uh, everything you just listed, it helps combat condensation um, because you've got a, a double wall shelter built there. Yeah. It's essentially just like a mountaineering tent at that point. Yeah. Um, like I said, I was uh, inexperienced with using one before, but it was... Um, I mean, I feel like it was roomy. And then, like you said, when I uh, got up in the middle of the night or whatever and unzipped it and walked out, you can feel that temperature change. Um, it definitely helps keep that temperature in there uh, and keep you warmer. Yeah, and especially where we were. We were in one of the wettest places in the lower 48. Yes. And so there's a lot of moisture just floating in the air. Yeah. And so when you use an inner tent, especially with uh, nylon walls, it blocks that moisture from coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a lot drier of an atmosphere inside. Yes. Yeah. Everything out was really saturated and really, uh, you know, it, the wetness and the cold just digs right into everything. Um, but we were, I felt pretty well protected in there. So that was, uh, it was nice. It was a good benefit of it. Yeah. It's great when you have a down sleeping bag because <laughs> down is notorious for clinging onto moisture. Mm-hmm. And so then it's just an extra insurance policy yep. to protect that down sleeping bag and you're going to sleep a lot warmer. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to, um, if I keep this up and keep going on trips, eventually upgrade my, my own system. But mine worked uh, really well. I, I was really warm, you know, and I slept great. Um, in fact, I remember waking up in the morning and couldn't believe what time it was. I had slept so well. Um, but, yeah, so I know that we brought a wood stove along, yep. so let's give some people some value. I was going to say, let's jump into the wood stove, because um, that was, uh, I wouldn't say it was a debacle, but it was uh, a little tougher to get it going, I think, this time. Um, last time, there was a lot of dry wood, even though we were going out into some rain. This time, when we got out there, everything was soaked, um, and we brought a couple of pieces of kindling with us um because it was nice and light but everything that we could find was just completely soaked through yeah the place where we were doesn't get any sunlight all Mm. winter yep so we did go harvest uh plenty of wood um and of course like we've talked about before um but if you haven't heard our previous podcast what we do is we break it down into three different sizes uh really 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 small stuff to get get it started and keep it fed um, while you're building that fire, uh, medium-sized stuff to kind of um, even it out. And then we've got big, big stuff to throw on top, you know, near the end of the night or, or end of the evening. Um, or if you really just want to get a big flame going. The problem was that uh, everything was soaking wet. So we used what we had brought and then some of the, I don't know, drier stuff we could find and smaller stuff to build that initial flame and feed it and feed it and feed it and keep it going. And we took all those other pieces that we broke down, the different sizes, and stacked them all around. Um, We even stacked some on top of the stove itself so that as we're burning and feeding that fire with the smaller stuff and and building up to use the medium-sized stuff, we're drying out all all the other wood that we had. 
Yeah, for sure. What we did is we went, like you were saying, it was key to find, do extra bit of hunting and find dead and down wood, mm-hmm. but that was elevated off the ground. And so it was a bit seasoned and it wasn't as wet. Yep. And so that was very important. And then we just surrounded the stove and utilized the heat that was coming out of the stove to dry the wood as we're burning it before we put it in. That was very important. If not, we would have not have had a wood stove fire going yep. as efficiently. Exactly. And uh, we ended up saving, you know, some for uh, the morning time. But I mean, besides that, I was, I don't know, blown away by how quickly that stuff dried and became uh, usable dry wood just from, you know, I mean, you could sit it there, leave your tent for five, ten minutes and come back. And, and a lot of it looked like it was completely or dried enough to, to build up a good fire with. So that was, uh, as a new person to using this stuff, really good to see, really cool. And, um, I don't know, made a believer out of me, I guess. Yeah. With that wood stove, the most important factor is getting a nice, big, thick bed of coals. Yeah. After you have that by burning a ton of little stuff, little twigs, in that type of environment, mm-hmm. then you can start throwing the wet stuff on there and it's going to burn no matter what. Yeah, exactly. Because the coals are going to burn through it. Yeah. And that's like the number one thing that people struggle with with wood stoves is it's just like a campfire. If you do not know how to build a campfire, you're not going to have a good time with a tent wood stove. Yep, exactly. And so it's important when you're at home to get a lot of practice on how to build a fire properly. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to have a better experience when you're out there with a hot tent. Yes. Yeah. Managing your damper and, um, you know, all, all that stuff. And then, uh, playing around with different types of wood and, you know, knowing how to identify what you want to burn, um, all comes in handy. And it's all every time, like I said, we go and do this for me. I know you've got lots of experience for, for the new person coming in. It's just, it's great learning it. And now I have this knowledge and it really encourages me to plan the next one and go out again, you know, instead of being, I don't know, discouraged by it. Um, just that learning, this is how you do it. This is what you do. You put it here. Um, because it was kind of a pain in the neck originally getting it going. And I was just comparing this scenario to the last scenario where it was almost a breeze. It just took off right away and was just going immediately. And this time we had to work for it a little more. Um, but in the end, I feel encouraged to get back out there. Yeah. Essentially that all outdoor gear, Tents, sleeping bags, backpacks, they're just a tool. Mm -hmm. And so it's up to us as users to use them properly. Yes. So practice in your yard, get comfortable with the equipment before you go into a scenario. The worst thing that you can do, and it happens more times than the other scenario, is take it out of the box, set it up for the first time in the pouring rain in the woods, you're not going to have a good experience with that uh, equipment. Yes, exactly. When you're rushed, you've got no familiarity with it, um, it's going to be a negative experience. I don't know if there's you know, a way to really uh, improve on that or, or have a good time if you have no idea what you're doing. Yep. It comes down to just hands-on time, like what you pointed out earlier. That is crucial. Yeah. We aren't just born experts at one thing. It takes time, hands-on time to learn. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I've got a handful of, you know, times now burning the stove, um, 
and like I said, this was, I mean, it's not the worst time that you could have burning wood, but it was tougher. Um, and now I know. So it's good. I'm glad that we brought the, you know, sleep systems that we did and were prepared because um, I didn't want to stay up all night feeding this thing. And since it was in my Mini Peak XL, I couldn't expect you to get up and feed it like in the in the Megahorn XL. Um, so it's good to have that, that fallback of the sleep systems that we had. Yeah, and then to bounce back real quick is that since we did have such wet wood and we had to really fight for a fire, next time when you go out and the the forest is dry, you are going to be able to run that tent stove better than ever. Yes. Because that it was such hard conditions before. When it's just marginal conditions, it's going to be like, man, this is easy. This same bird's good. Exactly. That that goes back to, you know, saying if you're walking around with a 40-pound pack, mm-hmm. you know, training, and then all of a sudden you are you go out on a, a trip where you're only bringing a 20-pound pack, it's going to feel like nothing because you've already done all that hard work before. Yeah, you're running down the trails singing whistle while we work. Exactly. So easy. Yeah. So now having that... That last uh, time we used the stove in my head, next time I go out and it's, uh, you know, nice and dry, it's going to be a breeze and this is going to be uh, ripping and impressive and a good time. So, Yeah, I pulled you out of your topic mm-hmm. and then now I forget it was about the winter gear that we were talking about. Yeah. Should we dive into that real quick? And uh, I mean, yeah, let's go over um, just basic sleep system that you can keep warm. Yeah. So, so what did you sleep on? <clears throat> well... I brought a foam pad that didn't get utilized to sleep on. I don't know if I did that incorrectly, but I used that primarily for kneeling on and sitting on and chopping wood and doing everything else I was doing. Um, but basically, I lay down Tyvek inside my Mini Peak XL first. Um, then I put the inner over top of the Tyvek, and then inside the inner, I had a sleeping pad this time. Opted to not go with a cot because. Uh, sleeping on a cot, sleeping above the ground with air coming in underneath you, um, it's not as warm, I think. Yeah, that is a rabbit hole that a lot of people probably would disagree on, but this is our opinion. Yeah. I think I felt definitely. like I definitely slept warmer this time, even though there was no fire going in the middle of the night, um, just sleeping on a, a sleeping pad. So Yeah, so send your opinions to Dustin at... Yeah. Exactly. Just kidding. <laughs> so that's my personal one, because then we can argue while I'm off the clock. There you go. Um, but yeah, so that that was what I did in my side. I didn't uh, even get a peek at your sleeping area or what you did. I'm sure it was probably similar. Um, did you utilize a foam pad? Yeah, in so your- in winter, you depends on the conditions, you for sure want to use one or two um, sleeping pads underneath your air pad. Oh, okay. To provide some insulation. Mm -hmm. So the reason why we're using the Tyvek underneath the inner tent, some people might be asking that, Mm -hmm. is that it's important for how wet that and cold that ground was. Yes. That we provide an extra vapor barrier or insulation barrier. Um, We could have definitely just put the inner tent down on the ground. But... Over time, when you put your hand on the inside of that inner tent, you'll feel a lot of cold coming through. Mm-hmm. And so by putting that uh, Tyvek or one of our ground sheets down, you're not going to feel that cold anymore because it's blocked. So you're going to sleep much warmer. Yeah. And then on the inside, you can use one or two foam pads. Mm-hmm. And then 
you used a nice air pad and you actually had insulation inside that air pad. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, it was funny in the morning after, you know, we broke everything down, you pointed out, you could see my sleeping area, the forest, the ground was like dry. It was a whole different color from everything else. So, um, I don't know, it was just funny, funny to see. Um, another thing real quick that we didn't get into when we jumped away from the wood stoves was, um, hanging your wet clothes up. Um, and now I'm the only one that had the wood stove in my tent, but I had the benefit of like, Oh, Hey, I'll just throw my socks up here over this loop and dry them out. And that was a sweet, uh, side of having a stove there. Yeah. The mini peak XL has two large peak vents. Mm -hmm. And so as a structure support in between each of those peak vents is some webbing. Yep. And so you can use that webbing to put light things. I don't want people hanging boots or nothing off those yeah, things. De- <laughs> definitely. But you put light things like socks or a shirt or something up there. When you yep. go to bed, when you wake up, your socks are bone dry. Yep. So that's nice. Um, yeah. I don't know. I It was a good time. Um, yeah. And then it's important to people to know that you had a good sleeping bag that was rated well below the temperature zone that we were going to be in. Yes. But we won't go too deep into that. Yeah. And then you slept with all the clothes on. Yes, that's right. I, uh, I, well, you know what? I started out in a t-shirt and then, I don't know, an hour later when I woke up and went outside to use the bathroom, I was like, to, to heck with this. I'm throwing on a sweater. So I put a sweater on and I had, you know, long john type pants, whatever you call them, uh, thermal type, um, pants on. But, uh. That was, I mean, nothing else, nothing special. I didn't have any thick wool socks or anything. Um, but having something to cover your, the, the hardest part for me, and this is, I've experienced before, was I'd wake up and my nose was frozen. I mean, like, and it was uncomfortable. So once I covered up my face better, I slept a whole lot better. So that'll be uh, something for my next trip to remember. Yeah, balaclava. Yep, exactly. And something that's really soft to the touch. You don't want one of those itchy, scratchy ones. Yeah. So maybe. something maybe made out of merino wool or just a basic fleece, like a polyester. Yeah, because if you're not going to end up wearing it, what's the point of buying it and taking it with you? Yep, so, so you want to make sure, make sure it's, it's comfortable, not itchy. Yep, exactly. You wouldn't want to put just wool yeah. on there because that's going to be itchy all night. Yeah. And then, yeah, sleeping clothes. Everybody should keep their sleeping clothes separate from all their gear in a dry sack independently. Yes. So when you get inside your tent, you can pull out your socks, pants, yep, sweater, yep, whatever you want to bring, and a, a, a beanie or a toque, whatever. Depends on who you're listening to this in Canada. <laughs> yeah. eh? uh-huh. um, <laughs> yep, exactly. And then some people even with, uh, will put uh, glove liners on their hands yeah, that for winter camping. A, yes. Definitely a good idea to pack those. Um, and the way that you had taught me to set up my bag is, you know, I kept my, like you said, like sleep clothes and stuff like that in a um, trash compactor type bag, um, similar to how I packed my uh, sleeping bag. And that way, when we got there, everything was nice and dry. Now, in my pack, I still had, you know, my other sweater or my other jacket, and that was just packed, not loosely, but packed on top of everything so I could throw it in my pack, take it out of my pack, and um, have access to it while we're just hiking and walking, Um, but the other stuff was nice and tucked away just in case a downpour started or something. Yeah, for sure, and you wouldn't want to access into one big dry sack 
when it's pouring down rain, mm-hmm. all your gear. Yep. Because it'll get wet when you open it. Yes. So what I always recommend is one large dry sack, mm-hmm. and this will have your sleeping bag in it and all your sleeping clothing. Yep. Like the pants, the clothes, the shirts, the Think beanie. Think of it as one. And unit. that only comes out after your tent is built and yep. you're inside it. Yep. And then your second smaller dry sack would have your uh, other accessible uh, clothing. Yeah. And then, um, you know, I now that I've uh, jumped in and utilized some of the Lux Silzip bags for uh, my stuff, too. You know, I had a headlamp in there, um, lighter, extra toilet paper, all that that kind of good stuff. And I mean, you can even go crazy and break that down into different zip bags, but um, it worked pretty good for me. Yeah, I usually set all my kit in like a pod system using our sill zip bags. Mm-hmm. Um, that way that they're all waterproof protected. Now they're not, uh, the seams on those sill zip bags are not seam taped. Mm-hmm. So they're, they won't handle like fully submersion for a long period of time, mm-hmm. but they are enough for rain. Um, and so that's what I use. So I keep my beanie, my gloves and one little one that I'll keep my headlamp and toilet paper, like you were saying, yeah, um, and another one, and then you can put. When I'm hunting, I put my kill kit in another one, yeah, and then I'll put a backpacking tarp in another one, yep, and then they're all. You can even color coordinate if you want, or separate by color, exactly, whatever yeah. you prefer. You had our Politouche in a nice brown um, silzit bag, and it helps. You know, you knew exactly where it was when it was time to throw it up. Like, hey, that brown bag is the tarp, so. Um, and then like you were saying, maybe not submerged for a long time in water, but I've noticed as well when I have my seal zip bag and zip it closed, if there's air trapped in there, it doesn't just, you can't just crush it and, and deflate it. Like it holds that air in there. It's really tight. Yeah. The zippers used are watertight. Yeah. It's just around the zippers. The stitching is mm-hmm. not Yeah, for like kayaking or swimming or something like that, mm-hmm. but for uh, backpacking needs it has no problems yeah yeah no they're really handy so i'll be looking into getting some more of those uh sometime before i plan the next time yeah maybe santa will give you some <laughs> there you go uh-huh you don't even need a stocking you just have an open sill zip bag and uh fill it full of smaller sill zip bags hey that's a good idea actually yeah. for christmas prep <laughs> stocking stuffers exactly <laughs> there you go um you know, like those Russian dolls or whatever that have the, the nesting dolls. Yeah, they yeah. have different sizes all inside each other. <laughs> zip nesting bags, exactly. You can play that trick on your um, your uh, kid. Yeah, you're like your they, presents inside there. Uh, unzip it. It's a smaller <laughs> one. Unzip it. It's a smaller one. Smaller one. Smaller one. Smaller one. Yeah. So those are extra handy, um, and I like having. You know, I have only myself in my personal collection have a handful, but I use utilize them for, um, you know. A bunch of different things, and I've I found that they're super handy. So, yeah, and then I just got back from international travel, and so every bit of my uh, items mm-hmm. were in one of those. So when I go through TSA, yeah, I don't have to have all my stuff dangling all over the place. Exactly, you know exactly what I came know out exactly of where and where it's where going back it's to. All modular, yes, and individual. So I had like shirts in one, mm-hmm. socks and underwear in the different one. Mm-hmm. Etc. Jackets in yeah. one, so we're reaching worse. We're 
reaching past just backpacking, camping, and hiking. I mean, you can use them for lots of different things. Yeah, you can go on your little Vagabond Instagram uh, adventure (laughs) into a different country. Yeah. Get some um, street food and uh, take your Instagram pics with our Silzit bag. Yeah. I mean, I'm imagining... Make sure you tag us if you do that. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, your uh, socks and your boots get wet and you need something over your feet, just slip two of those large Silzit bags over your feet and uh, keep on your way through the jungle. So, uh, multi-use. They're great. Um, let's see. What else did we... Uh, you know what's kind of funny is, even though we didn't... I mean, we didn't scout this area before setting this up and doing this whole thing, is we found another sweet spot that had this big stump, you know, almost directly in front of where we pitched our the, the pole touche, so the awning, and it was almost like another gear table. And I like how that keeps happening. Like, I think that's going to be part of my new thing when I start going out and finding spots. It's like, oh, is there a nice little raised stump area that I can use as a makeshift table because that always comes in handy when uh, throwing all your gear and all your stuff up there. Yeah, any camping trip, even if it's car camping, backpacking, or doing an expedition, campsite selection is the number one most important thing that you could do for yourself. Mm -hmm. And then I like that what you did is you used natural features that were around you Mm -hmm. and made them benefit your campsite. Yeah. That's awesome. Exactly. It was good. And the funny thing is before we found this one, um, we actually had a spot that we were kind of like, oh, you know, this might work. This might be okay. Um, and instead of just stopping and going there, you know, we're like, well, let's look a little further. And you kind of scouted on a little further and found that, that I don't know, better spot, perfect spot. But uh, it worked out really well. Yeah, just because you're tired, don't settle for the first thing that you find. Exactly. You're going to have a very bad time. Yeah, I won't you got to be smart. I won't dig too deep into it, but this was uh, the spot we found was not our first spot. It wasn't our second. I mean, we definitely did some looking around. Um, just make sure you're near some water if you're not going to pack in um, a couple of gallons worth. Yep, and if you have to do that, it's even better because... You'll sleep warmer <laughs> yep, exactly. when you're away from water. Yeah. So there's like a pro and con of everything. You just got to adapt. Yeah. And think in advance and be smart. There you go. Don't sleep in a low point. Yep. In the rainforest. Yep. Your tent will be flooded. Yep. Just little things that you can do to have a better experience in the woods. Yeah, I definitely, um, you know, I enjoyed my time in the, the Megahorn XL and it's nice to have standing room. Um but it's also nice jumping into the smaller Mini Peak XL because, like you said, when you break it down, you know your buddy's got a Mini Peak XL, you got a Mini Peak XL. Oh, hey, I'll carry this tarp, and or you know, third buddy can go ahead and pack the tarp, and you've got this huge modular system um, where you can have that nice awning. I mean, it's it's almost like a, a modular Twin Peak or something. Yeah, and I could already hear customers and customer service. Can I just run a Politouche off of one Mini Peak XL? <laughs> there you go. And yes, you can. Yes. You can tie the second end up to a tree or just create a pole in the forest mm-hmm. or buy one of our aluminum poles. Yeah. The choice is yours. It's very modular. That would be a pretty sweet setup, too, for a single person. Mm-hmm. Mini Peak XL, Politouche tarp coming off, and you've got a, a hallway there almost, you know, if you wanted. Yeah, and let's just say that if you're a hunting buddy or backpacking buddy... Bought a Walmart tent and it's pouring down rain. <laughs> mm-hmm. They could actually pitch that tent underneath the awning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
and you're protecting their tent, yeah. so you're just being a nice guy. Yeah, I mean, you could charge them rent, or maybe they'd pay you with uh, Snickers or something. But, I would um, definitely charge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're sitting under my Polatusha, you know, hand over some of that beef jerky or something. But uh, yeah, no, it's a it's a good system. Yeah, and then I bring that tarp personally also when hunting because then when you get game down on the ground mm-hmm. and you have to process the game, I like in the rainforest, I like to cover the whole area that I'm going to be working for hours yes. with a tarp. Yep. So you're not standing there processing your animal mm-hmm. and getting rain running down your neck. Yep, exactly. Do I, It's a, a very lightweight solution to um, doing things more efficiently, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Who wants to be getting completely soaked and drenched while you're sitting in this one spot, cutting away or carving away? Because you got this high from, you know, downing an animal and getting started on processing it. Um, and then you just get soaked and, and stuff. And as well as you can plan for the weather, we know out here it can change in a heartbeat. So, Yeah, definitely. Even in the summer. Mm-hmm. Yep. It could be raining and then snowing up in high country for sure. Yes. And then um, another thing is, is let's say you had a base camp and you were way away from your tent mm-hmm. and then you took one bad step. Ouch, there goes my ankle. Yep. I got to spend the night in the woods. Yep. There you go. Now you have your survival shelter. Exactly. To get you out of the rain and sleeping more comfortably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, multi-use for this, uh, the Polatouche tarp. For sure. And so... Let's talk about your cowboy coffee. That was really tasty. Oh, yeah. That was excellent. Um, so you boiled some water on the wood stove. Yep. Boiled some water. I had some grounds that I uh, prepared beforehand, obviously, and threw into a Ziploc bag and took with me. Boiled that water. When that water was boiling, I threw the grounds in and let it boil uh, a little bit longer with the grounds in there and then took it off the heat. Dropped a little bit of cold water on top to cause the grounds to settle down. Um, and I probably could have drank it right out of the pot, but I transferred it, of course, over to my cup. And that way uh, your buddy can go ahead and have some or uh, make his next. But that was, uh, I may have used a little too much grounds and not enough water because that was a thick cup of coffee. It was like a meal in itself, but it was good. Yeah, make sure you charge your buddy nice time for that Snickers bar. Yeah. For that cup of coffee. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, uh, it's, you know, crazy to think about my whole life. I thought of camping in one way, you know, like you said, uh, Walmart dome tent and, you know, you go out in good weather and that's it. You know, and ever since learning about the different ways and the the different styles and and cold weather camping and stuff it's opens up so many options you know and i'm excited about passing that on to my kid and you know my nephews and nieces and family and teaching other people all about it so um i don't know it's just been great it's been a great experience yeah then maybe they'll be carrying in food for you sometime and carrying the tent yeah that's exactly (laughs) (laughs) you got to train them and you can use that as like oh hey you know i'm teaching you the way i was taught so here you go pack it on um this trip i don't know if you care if i throw it out there was a little easier because we were able to throw some stuff on top of your bike bike packing yeah it was nice because we actually uh hauled all the heavy stuff into the woods mm-hmm. with a bike. Yep. It wasn't necessary because we could have just threw it in our backpack. Yeah. 
but we were just having fun with toys. Exactly. Yeah. Why not? It's a valid, yeah, it's, it's a valid, uh, use of it. Um, and that was, it was pretty sweet, but we did get our workout in, you know, carrying it up. It wasn't all just a, a cakewalk for sure on this trip. Um, but that bike opens new doors for lots of other stuff. So yeah, and then it's actually harder because the hills that we're taking up all these gear with, mm-hmm. it's harder to push a bike loaded with gear yes. up a hill yep. than just carrying it on your back, in case you're curious. Yep, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we found some pretty good hills, too. We didn't just, uh, it wasn't just, oh, hey, look, it's flat road all the way out. Just ride ride it all out there. I mean, um, but that's an option for the future, something to look into. Yeah, all of everything that we talked about is available where, Dustin? Uh, Uh, that too. Oh, okay. Put us on Instagram <laughs> oh, and just YouTube. Kidding. Yes, Inst- <laughs> Instagram, YouTube, we've got posts of uh, of everything. Anything we just talked about in this, you'll see us either using or explaining or you'll see it in the background or uh, or something like that. So, be sure to go ahead and check out the the Instagram and YouTube channel. Um, if you're listening somewhere uh, far off, keep in mind we ship internationally, globally from right here. Um, and of course, our, our customer service is stellar, so don't uh, hesitate to shoot us an email or, or something and get in contact with us if you've got any questions about anything that you heard or saw, because we're more than happy to help. Yep, just as you mentioned. And then I appreciate that you share this perspective of our trip, because once you go out in the woods a ton of times, that it gets kind of um, mundane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's refreshing to bring somebody else into the woods. Um, yeah. It's like a fresh uh, perspective. Exactly. I don't know how to word it properly yeah, no. in my brain. but Exactly. It's it, We could listen to someone who's gone on a thousand trips talk about it, and it's kind of, like you said, mundane form or, or second nature. But for someone who it's fresh and new to um, – you know, and when we first started this podcast, that was the goal is like, hey, you know, I can cover all this, um, you know, gear talk and all this other, you know, trip talk and you can cover the learning curve of it because you don't know anything about it. So it is good to bring that table. And I'm the what I like is that you're passing on this knowledge to me. I'm passing on this knowledge to, you know, someone else. And it's uh, and we keep it going. So it's it's more than just like uh like let's sell some tents and and make this it's you know connecting with nature and getting out and relieving stress and stuff like that and that's one of my favorite parts it's the circle of life (laughs) go watch fern gully now and uh Uh, lion king yeah lion king (laughs) exactly but yeah well i appreciate it and like he said thanks for listening and hope it brought you some value exactly until next time yep Any last words, Dustin, since I always finish it? Take it away. Thanks for listening, folks. Uh, Eat Doritos, (laughs) spicy ones, (laughs) on top of your sandwich. You won't regret it.